Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, did, did the mic pick up Harley's comment yeah. there? Yeah, she's just <laughs> sitting right there. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I come to movies. I'm a third generation movie lover. My, my grandmother, Vernetta, uh, was, a, was a huge movie freak. She passed it on to my dad. Um, her mother, Chesella Snedeker, uh, was, I believe, a Nickelodeon junkie in her day. Wow. And, um, uh, but I found out a little while ago, and I ran it by these guys, and it turns out it's true that uh, Chesella Snedeker, uh, her maiden name was Tackett. And apparently, there are parts of Kentucky where if you're a Tackett, you're, you know, I don't know. It's like being a Mulholland here in L.A. or something. No, it is. Yeah, it's it's a very common last name in eastern Kentucky and yeah. uh, parts of southwest Virginia. Um, so so was, you you might have people down here, John. I'm just, oh, no, we got a lot of people down there, apparently. I've never met them. Um, <laughs> and Chesella went down there when she was 101 for a reunion, and they what? carried her through some city street on a chair. And, That's awesome. Oh, great fun. Whoop, we just lost Tom. Yeah, his uh, so his internet connection is... Um, He's always got fits with it. He cuts all this stuff out, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they never know how inept we really are at this. We never know. Worried that I just said something offensive and uh, Tom just took off. Yeah, no, Tom. Uh, Tom is very, nothing to pack it. Yeah, I'm sure you can imagine. Tom is very easy to offend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the least easiest to offend guy. I know, really. So are y'all? Are you guys quarantined? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who isn't? <laughs> well you know i i live in a, a literal forest i live in a cabin in the woods and so i'm like quarantined but like not really in the same way everybody else is no you're just living life the way you always do exactly but yeah i'm a screenwriter so it's kind of the same i mean right. you know, I get up yeah. I, and, I, and when I, you're I, between I, pictures as a director you're you know pretty much just you know, on the computer looking for work. So exactly right. So minimal, minimal adjustment on the day to day here. But uh, I, there's something about the imposition of it, though, that um, uh, I don't know why Nancy, my wife and I have found that, um, you know, whereas on some nights it's like, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's watch a movie. Yeah. Okay, fine. And right. now, now it's this kind of, it's, it's the payoff at the end of the day. It's this kind of lovely ritual where you eat dinner and sit down and get to watch something. It, it gives it more weight somehow. I've been watching um are you are y'all familiar with Mark Cousins like 15 hour uh documentary about the history of film? It's called The Story of Film. Oh, yeah, I've never seen it, but where 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 would you find that? So it's on Amazon. Um you have to like rent every episode, but it's cheap. It's like um 2 bucks for 3 episodes. It's I think it's excellent. Uh I've been very gradually working my way through it, but um where does it start? It starts uh, from the very beginning. Uh, it starts in, I guess, the 1900s, 1910s. I'm currently in the 1930s. Hey, it's Josh. So, God, I've never had a tougher time editing five minutes of audio in my life. Uh, we had a bunch of Wi-Fi issues at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, very, very grateful to the guys for recording their own audio 
because it was coming through kind of glitchy on our end. But uh, anyway, you're going to miss about two minutes of our conversation uh, talking about um, The Wild Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, a movie, a great documentary by one of our former guests, Julian Nitzberg, highly recommended. Uh, we're going to come back in, in the middle of that conversation. We also lost the introduction. Uh, but anyway, once once you get past this bump, everything's great. It's all smooth sailing from here. We're very excited this week to have as our guests two of the three hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, uh, the True Billy Workers Party podcast. Uh, we've got Terrence Ray and Tom Sexton. Um, they come out of Kentucky. The show is uh, political and it's hilarious. And we are talking to them this week about uh, representations of rural Southern folks in movies, um, something they know a thing or two about. So let's get back into it. I promise you this is the only time this happens. From here on out, it's all beautiful. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. This one's going to be fun to edit together. Um, <laughs> oh, it's all there if we've got it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. The Wild Wonderful Whites. Yeah. It, it, um, you were talking about Jessica. Well, when did we get it? Well, I mean, yeah, I thought it was, um, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's been about, I guess it's been about eight years since I've seen it. Um, but I don't remember being that offended by it. Uh, I do remember feeling pretty uh, disturbed by it. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing about these, sort of portrayals is i mean that's really what life is like here um yeah. obviously jessica white's a little bit different because he is such a larger than life figure but uh, in many ways that is what sort of rural appalachian poverty looks like and, yeah i mean one um, of the you know f from my point of view is just it, it was um it's very funny but it never it never seemed to cross the line where you lost empathy for the characters i never felt like i was laughing I'm, I'm never quite laughing at them, you know, or yeah. I'm never just taking joy in their suffering. I'm, I'm kind of laughing at the insanity of their circumstance. And... Yeah, I mean, that, that that's the thing. I think you have you have to tell the truth about it, too. But also, I, I find it annoying when, like, you know, either filmmakers or whoever the gatekeepers of those type stories are, like, do this sort of infantilizing thing where they have to, like, act like they got to protect these characters instead of just telling the truth and letting them, you know, speak for themselves right. and all that stuff. And so, like, in, in a lot of ways, that's just as problematic as, like, some sort of exploitative thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, how do you want to, do you want to just start working your way down a list of movies or what's your? Yeah, we've got a few here. Um, <laughs> we pull it up. We we were deliberating until about an hour before we started. So, <laughs> on, on these last couple, I don't know if you know. So, so to start off from the top, like I was talking about with you earlier, Josh, it's like there were so many of these that could have easily went in either pile, either the good pile or the bad pile. And so, like the two main ones that we were sort of split on was three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Deliverance both of which could either go in the good pile or the bad pile, or the bad pile, depending upon, you know, how you want to take it. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, neither of them makes me want to go to those places. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's I that. That's a, that's a fair statement. 
Uh, what, what, I'd love to start with Deliverance because, I mean, that is a movie that, I mean, obviously, you know, much revered and much loved and based on a book by a great Southern writer. Um, I guess before you get to the why you're on the fence or why, what, what's good about it, what, what, um, what, what is it that you find troublesome about it? I mean, I know I'm sitting here going, I don't. <laughs> if I sit here thinking yeah, about all, the Let us all guess what he finds troublesome about the book. <laughs> you have to pretend to be an idiot to do this. Like, well, really? well How does camera work? I think the most offensive thing about it is John Boyd's Southern accent, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely fair game these days. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Is he is he a big conservative guy? Oh John yeah, Boyd? no, he's yeah. he's a, a heavy in the Trump world. Got Crazy. it. Isn't he? Isn't he our ambassador to something? He's got some position in the administration <laughs> now. I think. Yeah, he's like the ambassador of Finland or some shit. I always, yeah. I always <laughs> him get, and Steven Seagal. I always get like John Voigt and James Woods mixed up the same way you might Gary Busey and Nick Nolte. You know, right. like in my head, they're like interchangeable, and which makes sense, I guess, because their politics are both shit. So. Yeah, well, yeah, they they look nothing alike, though. But yeah, 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 no. right. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, go 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 off on deliverance. I'm, I'm well, I think for the the first thing I think is you got to talk about James Dickey who wrote the novel and mm-hmm. and plays the and he plays the sheriff in the picture. Yeah, 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 who yeah who also plays the sheriff and who's you know like this sort of super well respected was like this super well respected poet in these southern literary circles and these sort of high tone southern literary circles and you know it, it did a lot to grant legitimacy to southern writing and you know like the you know sort of post William Faulkner era and particularly poetry but I think it's so weird that this guy's legacy is like sort of tied to that scene, <laughs> you, know, you know, for this movie that, you know, that, it, and, uh, I, I don't know. I just think, um, I think, uh, you know, one of the obvious things off the top of my head, I think is wrong with it is the ban- the banjo boy, you know, mm-hmm. and we were talking about this, like he was sort of, you know, I guess duped into doing the picture for like, you know, a pittance. Like I think they gave him like a couple hundred bucks or something like that. Right. And the guy's like working at like a Walmart in rural Georgia today, and like, oh. you know, sort of futilely like clinging to, you know, his only earning potential centered around being the banjo boy. Now, you know, <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't know. I think there's, you know, something wrong with the way like a kid like him just did the super iconic scene, and then was just kind of chewed up and spit out. Uh. And then, I mean, like, guess we could just get into the scene. <laughs> we'll try not to squeal. So, so there's, there's a, it's a funny thing. You know, the, the scene also appears in the novel. So it's like, you know, Dickie's writing about, like, these things that presumably he knows. But it's also a sort of, there's like this clash issue at play. Mm-hmm. Because Dickie didn't, you know, traffic in the same worlds as, say, you know, the banjo boy that's working at Walmart in rural Georgia today, you know, but he's like, felt like he sort of had this license to write about, you know, or sort of reinforce these stereotypes as like rural white Southerners as these like sexual deviants that, you know, if you pop up in their town that 
you know, at a certain hour of the day that, you know, something bad might happen to you or whatever. And, and certainly in some ways that's, you know, you can't gloss over the legacy of sundown towns and, and Jim Crow and, you know, coming out of slavery and all that sort of stuff. So it's not like it's, that's completely unwarranted, but that's not what we're talking about with this, right? We're talking about these people who are on this canoe trip and then, you know, these things, you know, chaos ensues and whatever. And so it just feels, it just feels, um, uh, a little cheap, I guess. I don't know. I would say, uh, Terrence, what would you book in that uh, way? I don't know. I think that sounds about right. I mean, I don't know. Again, Deliverance is another one of those films I haven't seen in a, in a little bit, but I guess it is premised on this idea that you have like these four civilized guys, and they make the mistake of like wandering into uncivilization into a place where sort of barbarism reigns. I mean, a lot of people get really mad about this stuff. A lot of people say that this is why um, things are so bad in the South because, or, or in rural areas in general because you have depictions like this in the media. I mean, I don't really make that big of a deal about it. I mean, I guess it can be kind of annoying, but, um, you know, if it, if it tells an interesting or good story, it's, it's fine. Um, but I think that the thing that people take so much issue with is that, yeah, it is premised on the idea that, you know, and, and, and a lot of I'm not from Eastern Kentucky. Before I moved here, uh, people would, would say the same thing about me, about deliverance. Like, if you hear banjos, you better run. And it's like, that's kind yeah, of just you're from ingrained. West Texas and uh, Eastern New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you it's got not a that lot different. of room to talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, and so, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of, um, it creates this dichotomy, I guess, between, like, civilized urban folks and sort of barbaric rural folks. Um, I guess where that gets malicious is um, when, I don't know, when I guess it plays out in maybe the political realm or other areas like that. Um, but I don't know, I mean... Um, I I know I don't really remember being very crazy about Deliverance when I saw it, not because of any of these elements, really, just because it just wasn't a very compelling story to me. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, it is a kind of common trope in American fiction, um, the you know sort of civilized. Um, I mean, they're businessmen, right? Aren't I think right. isn't that yeah. the thing? Yeah, that's the four guys. Their 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 vacation trip. It's it, it's a you know it's a very heart of darkness kind of uh, approach. Yes, having it, these kind of characters go into this primal world that they're not really familiar with, and then discover the side of the of side of humanity that they've never even imagined could exist, and uh, which may, it, it's less of a sociological treatise. It seems to me it's not supposed to be about the mountain men. Um, it's just they're there as the the figures that cause these guys to have to reach inside themselves and and rise to the occasion by getting in touch with their inner bestiality. You're spot on. Um, it's almost kind of like an exploitation film, or so, or it sort of like it's a, a classy exploitation film, is what it is. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the reasons like, it was such a big hit. Right, right. It's 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 very genre, but it is. You're exactly right. The whole premise is literally Heart of Darkness. <laughs> like, they're on a river the whole time. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, too, is, like, for whatever our, our, you know, qualms are with it, like, we're hypocrites because if, you know, we would watch the same shit in the genre film and, like, we would love it. You know, you know what I mean? It just, we would just right. be fun. 
or we would watch the same shit in Apocalypse Now and say, you know, this is art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right. They just say, yeah, that Joe Conrad is a good writer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. But but you say you're on the fence about the liverts. I mean, there's there's a positive case to be made as well. You think? And... Well, I mean, I think the positive case is just echoing what Joe just said. You know, it's like you know, like you know, the story really should be about that. But I think to the less discerning viewer, what happens? You know, they 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 get tied up in that scene, and then you know, thirty years later, they're saying, "Oh, these dumb hillbillies are why we have Trump because of <laughs> you know they." <laughs> Well, you can't deny the power of the scene. I mean, it is, it's a very well-made yeah. movie. I, I worked with Bill McKinney, who was one of the actors who uh, played the mountain guys uh, years later, and, and asked him about that movie, and he said it was a very unpleasant movie to make. That everybody <laughs> had a horrible time. And that, that, really? doing that scene in particular was very stressful and very difficult, and plus it was hot and sweaty and wet and, you know, all those things. Uh, so it, it, it it's just one of those things where you think, well, at least these guys – came out on the other end and the picture was successful because sometimes you suffer through making a movie and it turns out that the, you suffered for naught. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And I, I got I, I, it. I, it might, I think it's, you know, neither here nor there, but it's, uh, I think for me, it's Burt Reynolds greatest performance ever. And, uh, every, every time I watch it, I just sort of lament the career he could have had if he, uh, Oh, I think Bert did very well for himself. Thank you, Bert. No, he did fine. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't think we should feel too sorry for him. Yeah. No, I, no, I don't feel sorry for him at all. He had a great fucking life. I, I feel sorry for us because he was he was just having such a good time, you know, making these movies. It's like I just, but imagine imagine the films he could have made. Well, he did some good movies. I mean, yes, he yeah. did all the, bro- all the program pictures that kept him, you know, in 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 wives and stuff. But uh, he yep. he made a bunch of good pictures. When he was working with Michael Ritchie, he was always good. Yeah, yeah. I just I I want more, man. I want more. Boogie Nights, my favorites, John. Yeah, come on, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights, yeah. yeah. I'm all over it. Um, uh, cool. Well, what uh, what's next? Do you want to do billboards or? Let's oh, billboards. Let's do billboards because billboards is. We took so much goddamn heat for that one. <laughs> well, we we watched it together, and I remember talking about it on the show. And this is the number one movie that when people come up to us and try to like come at us like, oh, like oh this 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 and this and like pop culture is so exploitative of like where you're from, and they always point to three billboards, and we're like. We we actually love three billboards, <laughs> <laughs> and I think we loved it so much because it was really reflected kind of what we were really going through in terms of like what we were doing at home with like trying to stop the prison at the time. Terrence, like, like uh, so yeah. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Terrence and I, we so the only federal prison scheduled to be built in the the federal pipeline by the Bureau of Prisons was scheduled to go in our town. And Terrence and I were active in sort of organizing against that, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. And I mean, just really the moral imperative to end mass incarceration be a chief among those. But we just felt like watching that movie, the dynamics with like people in the town and having to, you know, fight to convince sort of, you know, people that are stuck in their ways about things, uh, and really just to see things, um, or really, really just more than anything, 
I think, um, like when you're dealing with people that don't see the world the way you do and trying to find that common ground, like there were plenty of people that wanted to stop this prison because they were afraid MS-13 was going to come to town and like murder their family and all this shit, you know? But, uh, you know, we saw it as like, we didn't want to reinforce this idea that like poor white people were, uh, trying to bring jobs to their town by locking up disproportionately black and brown people and, uh, trying to sort of like, you know, get that argument through to people that, that, that might not see it that way, but we're, but we're against it for, you know, a totally different reason. And I think that when the movie came out and what, um, you know, what her character was doing with the, the billboards and everything just felt like, you know, so familiar, you know, and I, I, I thought it was great. And, you know, Sam Rockwell throwing Caleb Landry Jones out of the window was, was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right. I, I too, I too liked it. I, I, I didn't uh, expect it to be some sort of masterpiece or anything. I just, Oh, this is a movie that has a good trailer. And so I, yeah. I went to see the picture and I, I liked the movie. I thought it was really well made. And it was a, a, the story did not go in places that I thought it would go. And the characters were really interesting. Uh, and it was, I thought uh, it was one of the better pictures of the year. Yeah, I did. There was stuff about it that just nagged at me. And and, um, and also part of it, yeah, for sure. Because I, I, In Bruges is so in my sweet spot um, on every level that, that it just, you know, all, all I, all I, it's not that I needed it. It's what I was demanding was that his next film somehow top that. <laughs> and that's, that's not a fair thing. But it's so different. I know. I mean, it's, it's like, it's apples and oranges. I mean, it's a completely different story with different place, different kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, you know? I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, well, maybe these guys have given me license to go back and uh, feel, feel better. <laughs> go about enjoy it. it Josh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought yourself. that was one you were conflicted about. So, um, uh, it's I, I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a Joe on this. I I I don't know if I loved it, um, but I did like it a lot. Uh, for the same reasons that Tom says, and also, um, you know, when you sort of like live in a rural community that's sort of more disconnected from the normal sort of streams and flows of commerce and other things like, you know, in many ways, your connection, whatever you want to call that to the outside world is media. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, a. I thought it was an interesting exploration of how I like events that occur in this sort of like larger, you know, universe of, of America, you know, when they're sort of forced into the local context, they can sort of morph in a totally different things and um yeah for that reason i i i've not really been able to understand why we got such a visceral reaction to saying we liked it i think it's because it got didn't it win a few oscars or it was at least nominated nominated. i remember yeah yeah i think that's why i think that um people now it's it's weird the view of the oscars now like 15 years ago when i first started getting into film it was it seems like it was different than it is now. It's like now my fr- my friends, like if you're nominated for an Oscar now, it's like a bad thing <laughs> or something. Wonderful. Because, because they, the, uh... I guess they, because they see the Academy as another sort of part of the establishment. Well, it is. Right. And... Let's face it. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, it's like, right. I, I've always been very ambivalent about the Oscars. I mean, I, I think that on the one hand, they, they do a lot of good, the Academy and they, 
it's the only way they really make any money through the years the, is, is through the Oscars. And, and they do a lot of great film preservation work and stuff. And so I, I, I'm very supportive about that. But the actual idea of handing out these awards as if they're the best pictures of the year and the best performances and the best, even, even the people who get them kind of, yeah. How many times do people win and say that they're, they're I'm getting, I'm taking this for all of us who are nominated. Cause it's, right. it's, cause yeah, it's yeah. really getting the, getting the nominated is like, that's a big deal. People are paying, like they, they singled you out from the crowd and, and it, but then to have to go on and choose the best one based on, what I mean, it's the actors' branch has many, many more characters in it than uh, than any of the other branches, and and I just remember in 1963 watching the 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 Oscar ceremony on TV, and there was the special effects award came up, and there was a clip from The Birds, and it was followed by a, a series of dissolves from Cleopatra, and Cleopatra won because Daryl Zanuck had told everybody at Fox that if, if, if Cleopatra didn't win a lot of Academy Awards, they're all going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> So I really haven't taken it very seriously since then. Yeah. Or one of the 10 best now. Because, you know, there's, there's not, there's not enough blockbusters are nominated, so we have to have a bigger field. More people will watch the ceremony because that's really what it's all about. And which yeah. now doesn't even have a host anymore. I mean, it's, uh, it, they're really uh, at sea because they're, they're, at the, they're the last award show after every single ripoff award show that's come after them. Has, right. has had its due and then by the time all those people win those awards and they go to the foreign press awards and they're all drunk and they're having a great time and it's a much better show because everybody's really loose and then they go to the oscars which are you know stick up your ass <laughs> stiff yeah. you know it's sort of like it, it's very difficult to, uh, to overcome that yeah yeah but well, we're, I, we're talking about the oscars we're supposed to be talking I know. about world <laughs> no, america <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you're all jealous. You're all jealous. That's all. We are. Oh, that's because he's got an Oscar. That's why. <laughs> well, yeah. No, 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 I don't. I don't. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm sorry. He got nominated, as you can tell, because he says that's what's really important. <laughs> <laughs> Academy Award loser here. Um, so, yeah, how do you, do you want to get into some of the movie? Like, like how, how do you guys want to arrange this? We've, we've, uh, you've got a few that you like. You've got a few you want to kick around a bit. What's your... Oh, uh, or recommend, whatever. Okay. Um, well, Tom and I had a list of movies we didn't like. Um, so we'll, we'll just get those out of the way real fast. We can just get those off our plate real fast. Um, I think Deliverance was one of them, obviously. Um, the Blind Side. Have any of you seen the blind? Either of you seen the Blind I, Side? I have not seen the Blind Side. Joe, I can't, I bet it's, even Joe hasn't seen the Blind Side. Sandra Bullock. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I've never seen it. Isn't it, isn't it a Christian? It's a Christian movie, right? A, it is more or less a Christian movie, but um, the guy who wrote the book they, uh, based off of that Brad Pitt film Moneyball also wrote the Blind mm. Side. Um, okay. Uh, we've got next of kin on there, Patrick Swayze. Oh wait, but you're not. You got to tell us about like what what was what was the issue with Blind? I mean, oh, it's just it's it's. I, I mean, it, it sends the message that if you're a young black man, you need a benevolent white family to facilitate your upward mobility. Oh, exactly. I'm amazed that did get nominated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Sandra Bullock is. I mean, I like her in some things. I really don't like her in other things. Um, did not like her in this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, no time. No no sense spending a lot of time on pictures you don't like. But just, yeah. she won her. Well, yeah. No, we just wanted to get it sort of like ways that, that context. Are, 
our thing misrepresents their their world. She won an Oscar for that. Who knew? For um, Blindside? Yeah. She won? Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's the movie she won for. Wow. I thought she was really bad in it, but what do I know, you know? <laughs> she didn't win for the one where she's driving the bus? <clears throat> yeah. How was speed. that? Uh, speed? Yeah. <laughs> or the one where she falls out of a rocket. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's the fact for the whole movie except for her face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, now blindside, there's no, there's no real representation issues with that one. It's just a bad movie set in the <laughs> show. <laughs> you guys are not done your own. I mean, you'll be getting to desire and all these other pictures. You don't have to go through the whole list. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Like to keep Tom, had, in. Tom had one on here I'd never seen, uh, Ghosts of Mississippi. Have you seen that one, Tom? Ghosts of Mississippi. Obviously you have, but you put it on here. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I, for two reasons, real quick. One, Alec Baldwin's southern accent, and two, James Woods is in it. It's just like sort of like uh, <laughs> the juxtaposition of those two like celebrity political commentators is just cringeworthy to me. <laughs> so, that had to have been a fun. A and I, fun think, set. I think Whoopi Goldberg's in that one too. <laughs> oh, Whoopi Goldberg is in that. Wow, yeah, yeah that's some great. some interesting political conversations on the set. Exactly. Actually, tragically, I bet there weren't. That's that's the problem. <laughs> um, okay, we can get we can move on to the good ones now. Um, so I submitted as one of my favorites, Hustle and Flow. Have either of you seen it? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, as long as we're talking Oscars, that that was that was the year I went up and. Uh, I was in the audience when Three Six Mafia won the Academy oh, Award. So nice. And, and, uh, Did you meet Juicy J? I honestly, it's a terrible thing. It was many years ago. I can't remember the name of the at the Academy Award nominees luncheon. Um, you are randomly seated, and uh, uh, at my table was myself, Roger Deakins, the great cinematographer. And um, one of the kids from Three Six Mafia. Oh my God! Uh, who was who was having the time of his life? Yes, <laughs> Roger Deakins, you and Three Six. Mafia. And I, I hope it's Juicy J. I hope it's Juicy J. <laughs> I, did, I did. I used to remember. I just I'm so bad with names, but yeah, he was a lovely guy. He was a lovely guy. I was very happy. I was <laughs> Mr. thrilled J. when they won. But that's yeah, that's set in um, where is it? Atlanta, Memphis, or? Memphis, Memphis. Yeah, yeah. Memphis. I like this. Go ahead. Go ahead, Terrence. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I liked it so much just because it reclaimed rap for the South. And more Mm. more importantly, it put rap into the sort of continuum of Southern music uh, and sort of made the claim that, like, the South is the... uh, the natural birthplace of rap. (laughs) And, um, and I prefer Southern rap music, uh, you know, UGK, for example, um, future, et cetera. You know what I mean? And so I I thought it was, um, I like, you know, you know, I'm following the conversation. Thank you. Joe and I have a lot of conversations about Southern rap. No, I'm, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Joe, have you ever listened to three, six mafia? I've heard, I have heard three, six mafia. Yes. Excellent. See, I, 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 yeah, to piggyback on what Terrence is saying, what I think is so powerful about it is if you look at Southern rap, and in particular Memphis rap, it influenced the sound of hip-hop radio so much. Like, you're talking about, you could go listen to any New York rapper right now, the birthplace of New York, and their beats and their rhymes and their, like, sort of cadences are, they sound like what Memphis rap sounded like in 1994. 
And like that sound has become such a like a commercially viable thing that like all rap, no matter if you're from Oakland or the Bronx, sounds like it's from Memphis, Tennessee. And, you know, this is mm. sort of our cultural document saying this is when the turn happened. So, yeah. Okay. yeah I thought it it was um it was the first time I'd seen a, a cinematic sort of statement or exploration of that uh, mm-hmm. sort of um, fact. And it's just such a um, fascinating subculture, too. You know, you're talking about guys that sold millions of records out of the trunks of their cars. You know what I mean? Sure. It's yeah. just such a, yeah, anyway. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So what else do we have on here? What else we got on here, Tom? Um, Well... Before we get too far away from the bad ones, one of our last bad ones we didn't mention was Black Snake Moan, which was, Who is directed oh, Black by Snake Craig Moan. Moan. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> from the director. It's the same guy who did Hustle and Flow, which is <laughs> I thought interesting. The duality of man: a good movie and a bad movie. And and Dolomite is my name. But it's a bad movie for all the right reasons. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> No way! I mean, I, mean, I, I that could have been a New World picture in the in the late seventies, yeah. early eighties. You know, Black Snake yes. Moan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it just didn't work for me. This is something about it. Maybe it was Justin Timberlake. Well, you <laughs> can understand that, but it's better than the other Black Snake, which was made by uh, Russ Meyer. Oh, Russ Meyer's Black Snake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One of one of Russ's less not not set in the less good pictures. Yeah, I personally wasn't a fan of Black Snake Mode, and so I lobbied Tom to put it on our bed. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like Craig Brewer. I still haven't got to see uh, Dolomite. Um, oh, my name yet. It's, oh, it's, 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 it's terrific. It's yeah. really, really wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Written by friends of the show. I'd, I'd say their name, Joe, but apparently there's now a drinking game that every time I mention one of those guys, you have to do a shot. So well, I thought, I thought was, is that supersede the Mandy drinking game? Well, that you've just blown that. <laughs> <laughs> every time somebody mentions the film Mandy, uh, you have to take a shot because uh, I, I think it might be the greatest movie ever made. And... <laughs> have to take more than a shot to, to, to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, let's see. We've also got Sling Blade, obviously. I mean, I love Sling Blade, so I don't know. Tom, you yeah, may disagree. No, I, my favorite, well, he's, he's, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say my favorite thing about Sling Blade is it may well be the only Southern movie that 
is almost entirely cast with people that actually have those accents that actually, you know, mm-hmm. it felt, it feels so much more seamless than like anything else on this list. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as a practical matter to say nothing of, I mean, the story's fantastic, obviously, but to me, it feels the most uh, like just real. Well, it, it would, I mean, I guess, cause I mean, Billy Bob is, is legitimately from <clears throat> those, that, that neck of the woods. And um, yeah, I would imagine, I guess when I was watching it, it, it never occurred to me that it might be inaccurate. It always felt that like, seemed like a semi-documentary yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. For um, sure. I I remember uh, <clears throat> um, Billy Bob wrote and appears in uh, a film I just absolutely love, One False Move. And <clears throat> excuse me, I was a giant fan of his screenwriting. And I remember being in a screening of some movie. And it was before he'd really broken. That movie had come out and he sort of knew who he was, but he wasn't Billy Bob Thornton. And he had a small part in this other film and I saw him over in the corner and I walked over to talk to him and tell him what a fan I was of his work. And I'm a writer. You're the greatest thing ever. And, <laughs> and, and I asked him what he was working on next. And he told me he was working. He had written this script for himself to star in about a, uh, a you know, a gentleman who's severely learning impaired who gets out of prison and with the help of the friendship of a young boy finds his way back to, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, Oh, I'm never going to see this guy again. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Just batting zero here with my career predictions. <laughs> the young boy in that movie went on to star in Tokyo Drift, which is oh, uh, is, oh, that's that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember his name. Yep. I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah, yeah. Dwight Yoakam's in that Eastern Kentucky boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yeah, I liked uh, I like Sling Blade, and so and I also, so I also um, lobbied to Tom to have, and I wasn't able to pick one because I think they're all good. But I also lobbied to Tom to have a David Gordon Green's filmography basically put on because <laughs> yeah. like, oh, good, I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> I I've I've watched all of his films. Um, I, I wrote an essay about it a long time ago, um, but. I think that his first one, uh, George Washington, is is maybe his best one. Um, but they're all really good. And again, it's kind of for, good for the same reason that Righteous Gemstones and Eastbound and Down and Vice Principles are all good. It is, it's the most compelling depiction of the South, in my opinion, that is out right now. Because it captures it in all of its sort of absurd, macabre glory. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and I think that uh, him and Danny were probably just, and Jody Hill, they, they just have a very specific sort of um, way of looking at the South that is not, um, they're not, you know, they're not punching down, they're not laughing at it. I mean, they are of the South, so they're, laugh- right. they're laughing yeah. at themselves. You believe those guys are those guys, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it works for the same reason that Squidbillies works, because it's like we're just laughing at ourselves, we're laughing at how ridiculous the state that we're in is. Like, how did we even get here? <laughs> like, I exactly, I, exactly. I like, um, no, I like George yeah, Washington. I-, uh, I like Prince Avalanche a lot, too. That one's a really good one of his. I was just going to say too that uh, those guys have the best Halloween reboot. Oh yeah, that oh. one. I forgot they did that. Um. Okay, 
The uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like you liked Halloween H two O? Oh well, okay. You're yeah, a Rob yeah. Zombie guy. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm 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 so glad you. I'm really glad you brought him up because he's so interesting. Because the I don't know what do you want to call him. The straight films are so beautiful and and, yeah. and thoughtful and and sincere. And uh, I mean, I love love Joe is one of my favorite. Joe is great. Films. Joe is excellent. Um, probably. It's my second favorite uh, Nicolas Cage movie with one name in the title. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then to see him just sort of shift so adeptly to uh, uh, yeah stuff like you know he's bound in town or it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He is absolutely fantastic. Well, a lot of his but, movies tend to explore the sort of you know I I don't know if this is really. I think I've seen most all of his movies. A lot of his movies tend to sort of explore the relationship between family and community. And that's mm -hmm. definitely the case with Joe and George Washington. And there's another film he did, All the Real Girls. Did you, did either yeah, of you see yeah, that? Absolutely. That one's really yeah. good too. Um, and and they, they really kind of, yeah, they explore how complicated that can be in a sort of small rural southern town that is in the stages of, deindustrialization where mm -hmm. like that's really the setting for most of his films they are usually in settings of sort of post-industrial rundown southern places and um like you really can't understand the south in, until you um sort of grapple with that because the south is kind of you know now has be has become either it's either post-industrialized or there are parts of it that the other parts of America that have been deindustrialized, like the Rust Belt, what's little left of manufacturing has been relocated to the South because of right-to-work laws and other things. Mm. And so I, like, the reason I like David Gordon Green's work is because like, he acknowledges that. He acknowledges like, just, the, just how absurd and, and uh, surreal that can get sometimes. And, I don't know. I, I really enjoy his work. Yeah, you're right. As I try, there's always a sense of sort of the movies. The movies begin after everything's already over. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to to book in that, I think we'd be remiss to say if we didn't talk about Ray McKinnon's films for the same reason. You know? Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. Just to tack onto that, you know, like if we're talking about David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, I think you guys also talk about Ray McKinnon and Walton Goggins too. And I don't know, John, do they still yep. have Jenny Mule going? Is that still a thing that they're doing? Do they, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I was curious, but yeah, like I think you put me on to the movie Crystal, Josh, which was incredible. Another Billy, Billy Bob Thornton, oh, wow. too. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted just wanted to plug that the films of Ray McKenna. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. Um, have you seen Crystal Joe? Or uh, I haven't um, either. He's uh, a really really interesting filmmaker out of the South who partners uh, with with Walton Goggins a lot and. Um, they made a short called The Accountant about 15 years ago that won an Oscar, which is really great. Uh, but yeah, very, um, really, really gifted filmmaker. Yeah. Apparently, Ray McKinnon was also in The Blind Side. So. <laughs> he was! Yes, That's right. Well, he's he the, was. Um, he's the, uh, the preacher in Deadwood. Who's, uh, yeah. Who's yeah. 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 Yes. Fantastic actor. Ray, Mc yep. Ray McKinnon's best role <laughs> is as the uh, U.S. Uh, like the U.S. District Attorney in Sons of Anarchy. 
Like Link, oh, Lincoln yeah. Potter, he's such a weirdo <laughs> in that. It's so great. Yes. Shit. You know, it didn't even occur to me, Tom, when we were making this, um, our list. I totally forgot uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And, um, oh, yeah, where, where, where are we on that one? I love it. I mean, excellent. You know, mostly. I think Hollywood's coming out okay in this one, Joe. I was sort of expecting <laughs> to be lambasted. Yeah, there's not much uh, we don't like. No, like my, my taste in film is, so, I am so easy to entertain. If it's even marginally like entertaining, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but I like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Because, um, when I talk about the TVA, when I tell people talk about the New Deal and the and the Tennessee Valley Authority, oh brother, where art thou? Gives you the best illustration of what happened during those years, with its like really? final sequence, you know, where they flood the holler and they're sort of uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's really literally what happened. They just flooded the hollers with the houses and stuff still in them. <laughs> yeah, the Wild River. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they like there are houses underneath our lakes and reservoirs here that they just left when they when they dammed them up. <laughs> I, I was working on a project with a guy, and I told him I was from from Letcher County, and I said, "Yeah, where where did you grow up at?" He said, "I grew up about oh gosh, I don't know, probably a hundred and sixty feet below Carfork Lake." <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, what about? It's been a it's been a while since I've seen this, but what about another Coen Brothers film, Lady Killers? Wasn't Ooh. that a Southern one? Wasn't that a Southern? Yes, one? it was. No, it you was. since you guys are so heavy on accents, yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that movie was unwatchable because of Tom Hanks. Yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. It's pretty bad. I mean, all the all the British guys in the original movie had very strong accents, but but the idea of of taking that story and moving it to to where he moved it and then have everybody have those accents was it's just it's their worst picture yeah absolutely <laughs> even then i i did again this just will show you how easily entertained i am <laughs> I, I i didn't love it but i was like well well <laughs> it's, it's the, fine. <laughs> the only movie terrence has ever panned that i drug him out to was the baywatch reboot with uh, the rock and it's <laughs> 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 the only one you looked at me after was like what the <laughs> we'll have to cut that. We have uh, Alexandra Daddario, who's the co-star of that film, on the show next week. So. Yeah, next time. <laughs> well, I loved it. Yeah, no, Tom liked it. I think she'll be okay with that. The um, I, I gotta say, Joe, I, I was I was promised they were gonna they were gonna demolish Hollywood and our terrible. <laughs> and this is the, this was the appeal. Yeah, this is yeah. I thought we'd uh, get, get, get spanked a little. It's, um, no, they're okay no. with the lady killers. Good <laughs> lord! Seriously, guys, like we are. Well, I know for me personally, I like I said, I'm. You're I'm very, like everything. I got. There is something to it. It is a thrill for me because I come from a place, Philadelphia, where. You almost never hear the accent in in movies. Nobody ever bothers to, but every now and then you hear someone doing the the Philly or sort of the 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 Baltimore, which sort of combines with that accent. And and when they get it right, um, Barry Levinson's Tin Men, uh, Danny DeVito does it beautifully. He's from there. He's from Jersey. The one that always impresses me is that Richard Dreyfus does a spot on 
like Philly Baltimore accent. Um, and then, and then, uh, um, what's his name? John Glover, who Joe has directed, uh, does quite possibly the greatest Philadelphia accent of all time in 52 pickup, which is a movie I love, but there is some, there's a real thrill to hearing somebody get your regional accent down in a movie when you know, it's not theirs. And I think about that whenever I'm watching a movie set in the South, because 90% of the actors aren't from there. And usually the ones who are have spent so much money getting rid of their accents, they can't even do it anymore. So That's true. That's true. For... What movie did you direct Joe Glover in? Uh, Gremlins 2. He played Daniel. Oh, he plays... the, guy who, uh, the guy who runs the clamp uh, empire. Yeah. Based the on Trump a combination of Trump yeah. And, and yeah, the Trump, Trump character. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But he yeah. was he, he turned out to be, of... he turned out to be so sympathetic that uh it completely changed the whole point of the movie. I mean, originally he was just this <laughs> bad guy developer and John played him so so, so amusingly uh that yeah. it was like, well, you know, this guy's he's he's just a big kid, you know. It's sort of sort of what we used to think about Trump before he had power. Yeah, right, so that's right. right. You may have paved the way for him, I Joe. Have not I paved the way for him. <laughs> no. There, the, the, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know the Chapo guys probably talked about this, but you paved the way for a lot more than just Trump with Gremlins <laughs> 2. <laughs> I, I, I recently I'm, uh, like made my girlfriend watch Gremlins 2 with me. I was like, it's better than the first one. She was like, what? She, she was, I was like, what? I guess she had like watched the two when she was a kid, and like I was like, no, mm. the first one is excellent. The second one is a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, the studio thought the second one was a mess, but uh, <laughs> what's he doing? Well, <laughs> no, it was great. It was absolutely. I wonder how great. many could could we put together a good list of movies uh, whose sequels are practically completely different genres from from the original film that would there aren't that many there, there, are, that a lot many. Of, there are a lot of pictures where the sequels actually are better than the original but there's not that well, many sure. where they but are like, so so graphically from the tone of the but think about think about like mad max and and road warrior where in between the first film and the second film the apocalypse happens yeah you know, it's like <laughs> well you could make a pretty good argument that alien and aliens are two two different different, two different genres, genres. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just to give you an example of how my, like my bar for film is set, I, I genuinely enjoyed Steven Seagal's Fire Down Below more than I did Patrick Swayze's Next of Kin. And I think it's, (laughs) I I think it's because they both shot in your neck of the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't they both shot near you? Is that? uh... They both were. Yes. They were both shot in the county we live in. Um, but it's a way fire down below is the one next to Ken is, is hillbillies versus mobsters, right? Yes. Hillbillies versus mobsters. Absolutely. And fire down below. Isn't that, isn't Levon Helm in that movie? Yes. It it is. Like, That's right. Yes. Steven Seagal sing a duet with Levon Helm. Yeah. Every big country singer of the nineties was in that movie. <laughs> Randy Travis, Marty Stewart. They're all there. Travis, Travis Tritt. Tritt. Yeah. They're all there. And but, and but you're how how does how does that movie stack up for kind of uh, uh, valid representation of your oh fire down below is excellent representation because really? it's it's the, that's that's what makes it such a singularly bizarre film 
it's like <laughs> it's it's basically like they turned over the production apparatus to Eastern Kentuckians, to hillbillies, and just said, <laughs> "Film your lives," and then they just dropped the singularly alien, bizarre president of Steven Seagal in the middle of it. <laughs> When I, when I was a kid and they were making that movie, one of the things we would all do is just like drive all over the county to try to just catch a glimpse of Steven Seagal. And occasionally you would see a limo go by and all these apocryphal stories about like, you know, him getting out and doing whatever, you know, would, uh, would pop up. It was fun, though. <laughs> was this during his portly period? The, um... All but the first three movies, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one we left out, and I was thinking about when you said Levon Helm was Coal Miner's daughter. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I was talking to somebody the other day and said we were doing this. And and, and he said, oh, how about Coal Miner's daughter? I'm like, I got to imagine that one. That one passed. That's so mainstream. I mean, that's like you might as well talk about To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, does, does Coal Miner's daughter pass the sniff test for you guys? Is that the... I, yeah, like so, I love Coal Miner's Daughter. It, it, a, yeah. a fun little side story to that is, is Levon Helm was staying in the suburban motel in Whitesburg, our town. You're talking 1,600 people. And if you read his uh, autobiography, he accidentally shot himself when he <laughs> in the hotel that night in the leg when he was cleaning his gun when he was in <laughs> Whitesburg, Kentucky, <laughs> filming Coal Miner's Daughter. <laughs> wow. Um. I'm trying to think, you know, another one we put on there uh, is heat of the in the heat of the night, um, mm. which is an excellent film. Um, I'm I'm so I just watched it again recently, and it 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 did we talk about this show? I mean, it just boggles my mind, and I wonder how much of this is just because it's a movie I saw when I was a kid and had such an impact. But it still seems to be that a movie that was made in 1967, Seven, I think, is is seems to me to buy to have a vastly more sophisticated grasp of that region of race relations in America of of the complexity of 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 race in America in a way that movies have come out in the last couple I mean I look at that stack it up against green book and it's just yeah just it's no green like book night- yeah <laughs> <laughs> now you're right it's just I watched it for the first time just uh, maybe three or four years ago, and I was just blown away. I was like, how was this yeah. made in the 60s? It's really incredible. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. And, and, and the fact that at that time when those portrayals were usually so simple that they made Poitier, who normally would have just been, in, in, in that era, would have been portrayed as just sort of straight up heroic, sympathetic, completely, and Steiger should have been just completely villainous to give them the layers that they had and the fact that you could find that fascinating relationship between them. And yet at the end, still, still not give them that moment of, of, you know, crappy Hollywood, you know, you're my brother and I love you bullshit. Right. Even though that's still sort of there in a weird way, even though they but hate it's, but it's believably there, you know? Yeah. believe yeah, it, it. Exactly. It exactly. It moving in it, but yeah. it's not, it's deeply it's not, moving. you know, it's not, it's not corny. Yeah, because yeah. I've I've come to this place where they can't, you know, to feel this way about somebody who I still basically hate is really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I love that film. Um, another good one I have on my list is uh, Mud with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, perfect! Yeah. It's a good picture. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed that one. Um, it's got Sam Shepard in it. Um, yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky guy. 
Um, yeah, that's I don't know, Tom. What else? What else do you have? To kill a mockingbird? Tequila mockingbird? <laughs> Tequila mockingbird. <laughs> uh, I think we hit pretty much everything that we talked about. We, we like, I mean, you could talk about Cool Hand Luke, but what the hell could we say about Cool Hand Luke? That you know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't do, do Kentucky Fried movie. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, there's I mean there's a lot of things we could riff on. But well, last night I watched um, Night of the Hunter for the first time, which I for the first the reason time. I, for the first time, yeah, I'd never seen it before, um, and I and I was expecting a southern movie, but it really takes place more in like the Ohio River Valley. Yeah, it is the Ohio River Valley. Yeah, yeah, it almost it, all it, takes place in a soundstage. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe, it's an illusion. They did shoot part of it in the Moundsville Penitentiary, State Penitentiary there or whatever, which I've been to. Oh my God, dude! Remember so, we were in Moundsville, the Hari yeah, the Hari yeah, Krishna yeah. Temple. <laughs> So I met Tom in Moundsville, <laughs> Moundsville, West Virginia. Um, and so it, I don't know. It really kind of conveys the eeriness of it's a it's a very it's a very strange and unusual and wonderful movie that it is unfortunately destroyed destroyed Charles Lawton's career as a director. Yeah, I saw that. Like he was so torn up about it, he decided never to direct a film again. Yeah, yeah it's um, a shame. Yeah, yeah, it is one of the most interesting films I've ever seen, though, in the sense that, like, the tone and everything about it is, if you were to start it and watch the first five minutes and watch the first, the last five minutes, you would not know it's the same movie. It is so different by mm. the end. Yeah, and, and it, the tone changes happen throughout. You know, I mean, it, right? The the, the 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 German expressionism and the D.W. Griffith naturalism and. Uh, and the, 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 once you get to the Lillian Gish story, it, it, it brightens up a little bit, except that when Mitchum comes back, it gets dark again. Yeah. You know, it's really a, a, an amazing film, I think. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I saw it when I was like nine years old, and it was at a kitty matinee, and it was really, it was very scarring. Well, it's the thing. It's the, the theme is basically, um, you know, children are very vulnerable, and bad people take advantage of them. And it's, it's like... Well, luckily yeah, we're way past that now. Yeah, no one will understand <laughs> yeah. that movie today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how's his accent in that? How does that? Uh... Uh, Robert Mitchum's. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's got a great singing voice. I'll give that to him. <laughs> <laughs> Very diplomatic. Very diplomatic. <clears throat> yeah. That accent uh, in many a movie. I don't think that was considered a re regional accent. That was just his 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 his, his accent. I feel like he puts it on a little bit in that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, fellas, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else. You want to do TV shows? We can do Friday Night Lights. <laughs> <laughs> nope, different show. Justified. Different show. <laughs> justified weekend, yes. Yeah, Justified is great. Uh, oh, Justified's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's a TV show, Joe. As always, we're not allowed to do TV shows. Oh, okay. Because okay. it's the movies that made me, I think. Yeah. We're seeing but it is that makes sense it's there it's there in the it title <laughs> it's like a, it's a very long movie though it's very if uh, if you're up for a, a 64 hour or something film uh, you could do a lot worse than justified i would say yeah one of my one of my favorites um for a million reasons but uh well gentlemen um this is this has been uh elucidating. i i'm walking away feeling way less guilty than i thought i would i thought um he's so masochistic uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think our business gets a lot of stuff wrong. It's nice. It's nice. So invite that, a couple uh, of good old boys on your show, thinking that they're going to trash a place you live. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, we, I mean, you know, it's the thing. It's like some movies get it really wrong. Some mm-hmm. movies get it, get it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the ones that get even it really the, wrong, though. Are still fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, it's like one of you said earlier, I am truly a masochist. So if if I can derive any bit of analysis or meaning from something, even if it's terrible, I'll watch it from sure. beginning to end. Yeah. <laughs> so I share your neurosis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Joe, there is a third Shrillbilly, uh, Tanya, who is, um, we're actually technically, we can only do four people on the show, but uh, um, uh, we, uh, I guess they, they, I don't know. Through dice, so we got we got these two. Well, we but, when, um, when we have them in person, we can have all of them. We can have all three of them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And of course, we're we're uh, uh, yeah. But um, thank you, gents. I'm a big fan of your show. I hope some of our listeners check you out. I hope some of your listeners check us out. Hell yeah. The uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but thank you very much for thank you very much for coming on. This was yeah. Thanks was for um, having us on. Tom did not t- tell me that. Joe Dante would be on this podcast, so I, I didn't know I, either. I was I've been sitting over here starstruck the whole time, a little bit, a little tight. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, I, I Joe, they told me they'd heard the show. I, yeah, well, I would have dressed for dinner if I'd known that. You <laughs> walked out on sleep. <laughs> it was great to have you guys on. Yeah, Thanks thank for having so us, much. fellas. Thanks. It's been a blast. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.